Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Saturday, October the 22nd of the year 2022. I hope this day finds you and your family well. I must say I had a full day yesterday, was up at 3.30 a.m. and didn't get home until maybe 8.20 p.m. last night. So I am extremely tired. However, I am also extremely excited to share this little mini series I put together for you from the late great Frederick Casey Price Sr. He taught an epic episode. And when I tell you it was epic, that's what I mean. It didn't just stir up people in this entire country. It stirred up people in this entire world. And before we move forward, let me say, you are listening to Dr. Kamala D. I am the host. I am the founder. I am the president. I am the teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. And with that said, I chose a couple of excerpts from this epic series entitled Race, Religion, and Racism, where Dr. Price, this was amongst the last episodes leading to the closing. And when he started that series back in 1997, it lasted for about 18 and a half months. He did his research. He researched the material for three years before he wrote this episode or uh, shall I I say series out. And he ruffled some feathers. And let me explain to you why the feathers were ruffled, because people didn't want the truth exposed. That's why people hate truth for some reason. If you're going to call yourself a minister and you are uh, teaching from the Bible and claim to be speaking on behalf of of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, God Jehovah, who is the true and living God. You know what? If you're not telling truth, you weren't called by God. But Fred Price exposed a lot of false teachers. And in these uh, particular excerpts I chose, I, I think I may share over the next three or four weeks, maybe three or four episodes. He is proving in the Bible The genealogy of Jesus leads all the way back to Ham, Noah's black son. So he's proven Jesus was not white. And when I say white, European white, blonde hair with blue eyes. No, that's not who Jesus was. And you need to listen because he is going to meticulously take you through these scriptures where you can follow the genealogy of Jesus. So with that said, saints, let's get this truth on the road. I'm teaching on the subject of race, religion, and racism. And uh, this is a very volatile issue. Most people don't want to uh, deal with it. 
It was interesting, we were just recently uh, at uh, Fisk University, and uh, some, we had a chance, I saw one write-up that they did, and supposedly the, the um, reporter had queried some uh, different people on their opinion of what I was doing. And uh, one minister, a uh, white minister, was, uh, said that they're tired of hearing about this racism thing that Fred Price is doing. You know, they, they've had enough of it. They're tired of it. And, and I, I can understand that. For somebody that doesn't want to deal with it, I guess you are tired of hearing about it because it's kicking your conscience every way but loose. That's what's happening. you tired of hearing about it. I wonder if they would have said that if I'd been preaching on uh, adultery, if I'd been doing the thing on sin. I wonder if I'd been teaching a series on sin, would they have said, well, we're tired of hearing about sin. Well, they located themselves, so that's all right. But anyway, the ground rules for this series are these. If you write me a letter and expect me to read it, and uh, we do get some pretty hot letters, I have been told, and uh, if you do expect me to read it, you have to have your full name and your return mailing address on it. I personally will not read any letters, positive or negative, unless they have your full name and mailing address on it because I just might be led to use your letter publicly as an illustration, never to try to get back at the person. I mean, I don't have to do that. I'm on TV, you're not, so I don't have to do anything to try to get back at you. I'm already here. You know, so getting, that, getting back at you is not going to change anything. But uh, I just believe in using anything and everything, if it's not nailed down, that will illustrate and dramatize this horrendous issue of racism. And so uh, I may want to read your name so that everybody in your neighborhood and your job place and all your relatives and friends will know just really how you really feel about it. Because, see, you're responding to something you heard in a public arena, a public venue. So I feel the right that I ought to have the right to respond to you in the same public arena. So those are the ground rules. And, of course, for some of you that are watching us, uh, you might wonder about the different uh, garb that many of us have on. Uh, we are celebrating uh, and remembering um, black history. I, I started to say, I'm so got my mind on saying about what this garment is, African, So, but Black History Month. And so we're celebrating, and so some of us are wearing a different African garb uh, during the month. Uh, this particular piece that I have on is very high-style, couture, upbeat African garb. But it, but it has it, the design, some of the design, is, it's African and so is, is the material. But it's not the usual kente cloth that you see or other things like that. So you might think if it's not that, it's not African. It is, it's just high-style. What you say? All right, let's get on with it. I'm teaching in the religion section. We're almost finished with it. But uh, there is a, I want to go back and cover briefly and then lead into what I want to talk about today. Because this racism thing in the church uh, is not being dealt with. I'm sorry to say that the vast majority of Christians, I'm talking about white and black alike, as far as in the ministerial ranks, don't want to deal with this. They're in denial. And they need to wake up and smell the coffee because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ must address this issue and solve it. We are the only ones that can. 
I'm talking about the church now. I'm not specifically or particularly talking about society as a whole, and yet society is made up of Christians who go to church. So they're going to have their influence, either positive or negative, in society. But we, we've got to deal with it, and the only way we can is, is to uncover all of the root systems of it so that we can see how the thing grows, so that we can kill it at its roots. You've got to go into the roots and kill it. You can't trim the trees, they'll grow again. You can't cut the grass, it'll grow back. Now, last time I was making this statement, there's a very interesting point concerning the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ that I think would be of value for us to pursue because traditionally, Jesus the Christ has been portrayed as white, European white. And uh, all actually, really, mostly all Bible characters down through history, if you go to art, all characters are white. God is white. Angels are white. Everybody's white. I mean, even the white is white. And so consequently, it, 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 it sends out a, a false message and both blacks and whites, for two different reasons, but I, which I'll mention in a moment, but both black and whites need to know that Jesus Christ was not European white. Now, some blacks get scared when I talk like that. Oh, man, ain't going to put us back in the back of the bus. <laughs> But you see, what you don't understand is you are already in the back of the bus in their minds. It's not the geographical location on the bus, it's in your head. Many of you are still in the back of the bus even though you're riding on the front seat. All because you have a very distorted low estimation of yourself because we in this society and particularly through the church has been, we've been bombarded with this idea that God is white, Jesus is white, white is right, black get back because black is wrong. You have never seen a portrayal of Satan in white. Demons are never depicted white, always black. Now, let's go, because if, if Jesus is the crowning glory of Christianity, he is the apex of all that Christianity is about. He is the apex of all that the Bible is about. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, there is a thin red line of the blood of the Lamb that goes through it. If you know how to decipher it, Jesus Christ is on every page in every book of the Bible. Amen. If you have the spiritual insight to be able to know how to decipher it. So he, if, if, we, if we reduce Jesus down to the level of who he really was and is, instead of the trumped up, fictitious lie that we have been exposed to, it will make a whole lot of difference in society.
bet you white people all over this country would, would have a real, real funny feeling if all of a sudden God descended from heaven and he was black. <laughs> See, you all talk about color doesn't matter until it gets over in your camp. I remember years ago, Senator Robert Kennedy was in Africa and uh, he was making a speech and in the speech he said, uh, suppose we get to the end and find out that God was black. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But see, we the church has portrayed this thing that, that black is not black is inferior. So if 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 we find out that Jesus had black in him, then we'll have to say Jesus was inferior. Or you're gonna have to change your attitude and get rid of the lie and come to grips with the fact that we're all the same. Bottom line. So go to First Chronicles chapter third. First Chronicles chapter three. I want to take you through and, and add on some information that we didn't talk about last time to show you that Jesus Christ was not white. The European white, light-haired, fair-skinned, blue eyes that we normally see pictures of in the Bible bookstores and all the Sunday school literature and all that stuff. And people will want to say, well, it doesn't make any difference, Dr. Price. Why do you want to talk about it? What difference does it make whether Jesus was white or black? Okay, if it doesn't make any difference, then let's make him black. You've had him white for 2,000 years. Give us a turn. We'll find out if it doesn't make any difference. What's the difference? If it doesn't make any difference, whether he's black, red, brown, yellow, or green, doesn't make any difference, right? You've had him white for 2,000 years. Let, let's turn it over on the other side and toast this thing on the other side. And let's make him black. If it doesn't matter, it shouldn't matter, should it? Excuse me? Oh, what? Don't drop your coffee cup on that new carpet. And try to blame me and try to get me to clean it up. I'm not going to clean it up. You messed that up. Don't get excited here. But you said it doesn't matter. So if it doesn't matter, then why, why, why can't he be black? What a lie we, we the church, the church lives. You say it doesn't matter. Well, let's turn him around and make him white for two, the next 2,000 years. Getting ready to start a new millennium. Let's start the new millennium with a black Jesus. I mean, if it doesn't make it, you said it didn't make any difference. We don't even need to discuss it. Yeah, it does. Uh -huh. All right. First Chronicles chapter 3. But I'll tell you what, Jesus wasn't white and he wasn't black. So I'll just say that right quick. Not white like you think and not black like you think, okay? First Chronicles chapter 3. Uh, verse 1. Now... These were the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron. The firstborn was Amnon by Ohinoam, the Jezreelites. The second, Daniel, by Abigail, the Carmelites. The third, Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmiah, king of Geshur. The fourth, Ananijah, the son of Hagan. The fifth, Shephatiah, by Abital. The sixth, Ithriam, by his wife, Eglah. These six were born to him, that is to David, were born to him in Hebron. There he reigned seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. And these were born to him in Jerusalem. Shimea, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. Now, underline, I think I told you last time, but underline the word Nathan and Solomon. 
These are David, King David's children. You got to get this. Verse 5, and these were born to him in Jerusalem, Shimea, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon, four by Bathsheba, the daughter of Emiel. Now, Bathsheba is the upgraded, that's actually the most original name, and the name that we're most familiar with, that is the transliteration of that, is Bathsheba. Bathsheba and Bathsheba are the same person. Okay, in different translations. In fact, I think I asked somebody last time if you have a traditional King James Bible. Anybody have it? I'm reading from the New King James. Anybody have the traditional? Did it say Bathsheba in there? Bathsheba or Bathsheba? It uses Bathsheba in both of them? All right. But anyway, you'll find it in other places where, it called, where she's called Bathsheba. In fact, we'll get into it when we get into the genealogy. Now, what's important now is that David the king out of David the king came Christ, the real king. Now, it says that this Bathsheba or Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, and I'll get into, I'll say something about that a little bit later again, but the Hittites were black. Now, I, I said it last time, but it's very interesting that every time God mentions Bathsheba, it never just says Bathsheba, it always says Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And as I said last time, I think God's trying to get something across to us. I would say, because we don't have anything that says otherwise, that if, that if her husband was black, probably, more than likely, she was black because... God always connects her with Uriah. Now, it wasn't Uriah that gave birth to the boys. It was Bathsheba. So it would have been sufficient to say that these four were born to Bathsheba, to David in Jerusalem. Why tell us that she was the wife of Uriah? That would have been enough if he had stopped with Uriah and said, Uriah, period. Why tell us he was a Hittite? Because that's how you can trace it back. If you trace it back, that's why genealogies are important. Most of you pick up the Bible and you start reading genealogies, they're boring. Boring. So-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. God didn't put that in there as superfluous stuff to stuff up the pillows. It's there so we can trace back and find out who was really who instead of having to take the lies that have been perpetuated down through time about who was who. We have a record right in there, but you've got to take time to sort through it and extract the information that you need. Genealogies are extremely important to tell you about who is who. If they had followed the genealogies, you'd never had a white Jesus hanging up in the Bible bookstore. And all your movies, David, Bathsheba, white, Moses, white, Pharaoh, white, dogs, white, the birds, white, Israelites, white, he, everybody's white. That's not what the book indicates. Moving right along. Now, remember, two of the four, Nathan and Solomon, are recorded in both the genealogy of Matthew and Luke. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. I touched on it last time, but I want to go a little bit deeper because this is so very important. It's important for white people to know so it can destroy the myth of white superiority. And it's important for black people to know to destroy the psychological 
aberration of inferiority that blacks have been saddled with for so many years. And even today, I mean, so many blacks are still bound by this thing. I mean, you, you, you white people, now, you, you, have to under, you have to know me, this, none of this is personal. And I know it can sound a little caustic if, you, you know, if that's what you want to see. It. But we've got to deal with it, and these are just facts. I'm just dealing with facts, and I try to come against anybody, white, black, or whatever. But these are just the facts. I'm a very straight, outspoken person, okay? I ain't for everybody. I mean, I really am, but people don't know it. I'm the iodine kind of medication, not the cherry flavor medication. <laughs> It'll burn, boy, but when it gets through burning, boy, feels good. Okay? So we, 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 we have to, to deal with this so that we can stop the cancer. And black people are infused with this thing. So many black. I mean, we work against ourselves. We destroy ourselves, you know, all because we feel inferior. And so we always want to do something that pleases the white man because white is right. Our, everything we do is geared towards pleasing the major society. We're the only people that do it. Only people in this country that do it. We're the only people. Everybody else maintains their culture, even looks like the homeland where they came from. Everybody but blacks. We're the only ones that try to be white. Japanese look just like they did when they came from Tokyo. <laughs> I don't say that disparaging. I don't mean that as, as a put down. I'm simply saying they maintain their cultural identity. You got little Tokyo downtown, look like Japan. You got Chinatown downtown, look like Japan. You got Koreatown, look like Korea. Nobody has a problem with that. Everybody thinks that's just natural and normal. Oh, but don't let black people start talk, talking about the homeland, the motherland. We're so ashamed of ourselves that we really, if we could, we'd turn ourselves white. So many of us. And when you find a black that is unashamed to be black, you other blacks will turn him in. So we, we, we need to defuse this myth of white being right. White has its place, but it shouldn't have all the places. All right, Matthew chapter 1. Now, remember that Jesus the Christ was born into this world under unusual circumstances called the virgin birth. Mary, his mother, was not impregnated by Joseph, her husband-to-be. The way the Bible describes it says that when she was told about this great distinctive honor that she was going to be entrusted with, the angel Gabriel said to her that the, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Almighty will overshadow you. 
You know, it's interesting, and you, you can get, I've never used this before, but you can get a little inkling of this. Uh, during um, the years when they were uh, testing and detonating atomic devices, atomic bombs, uh, they did a lot of it over in the, in the South Pacific at Bikini Atoll. They did some stuff over here, I think, in Nevada originally. And it was interesting that when they detonated a bomb, an atomic device, that even people, animals, and things that were a great way off from ground zero were affected by the overshadowing power of that explosion and that atomic release. It affected people invisibly. It infected them into their bodies so that later on things came out of their bodies, like children that had deformities and things as a result of the radiation that they had received from the blast. Well, if man can do that, why couldn't God overshadow a woman's body? He created the body. He knows how it works better than anybody else. And plant a seed. How did he get Adam? I mean, Adam was, we, we know based on the Bible, Adam's body was made out of dust. Not Adam. He is, we say, God created man out of the dust of the earth. Yeah, this, the, the man you see, this physical exterior stuff is made out of that. But that's not you. That's just the house you live in. See, Adam was only a statue until God breathed into him the breath of life. What was that breath of life? That was the spirit of man, the real man. Okay? That was the real man. So, God, if he could take Adam, scoop up some dust, form it into a statue, then breathe into it the spirit, or put the spirit into him, why couldn't he put a seed in a woman's womb? If anybody knows how the womb functions, it ought to be the creator. Amen. Look like he'd have a little bit of insight into how the thing works. And the reason for that is because, oh, this is not in the lesson. Uh, anyway, I've got to explain this. The, the reason for that is because Adam disobeyed God. And when Adam disobeyed God, Adam let sin into the world. And also death, physical death. Man was never intended to die. He's never intended to die. God made him to live forever. Not in the conditions that we have now in terms of the atmosphere all being screwed up because we'd have messed it up. But it's before the flood there was an atmosphere in which men could live. They did. They lived 800. Methuselah lived 969 years. And that was even after the sin. The body was so strong that it subsisted for 969 years before it fell apart. Because that's how wonderfully we're made. Well, when Adam sinned, as a result of listening to his wife, both of them ended up then being guilty. When they had a child, their child would inherit their sin nature. And that's what happened spiritually. They inherited the spiritual nature of their mother and father, just like you. You inherit the spiritual nature of your mother and father, which in the natural is alienated and separated and cut off from God. Biblically, it's called being spiritually dead. But dead doesn't mean non-existent. It just simply means in an existence apart from God. See, when we say a man is colorblind, he's not blind so he can't see. just can't see that color doesn't register on his optic nerve. He's got a problem with that color. 
when we hear, we say somebody's tone deaf. We don't mean they're deaf so they can't hear. They just can't distinguish tonal quality very well. So we say tone deaf, color blind. Are you following me? So man in his natural state is, is dead to God, cut off from God. He's alive, but just cut off from God. Spiritually dead. So what would have happened if, if, if Joseph had impregnated Mary in the normal way that humans are reproduced, then Jesus would have inherited Adam's sin nature through Joseph. He himself would have been in need of a savior and wouldn't have been able to save us because he would need saving himself. So God had to circumvent that so that he could bring Jesus into the world spiritually in the very same position that Adam was in before Adam sinned. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus is called the last Adam. Not the second one, the last one, because there won't be any more. That's right. So, Jesus then had the opportunity to stand in the same position that Adam did in the beginning as a representative character for the human race. Whatever he did would affect posterity, spiritually speaking. Okay? So, that's the only reason why God brought Jesus into the world that way. And so, uh, you know, uh, to me, if God, can take, if God can take some dust and make a man, then take a rib out of a man and make a woman without the aid of a man, why can't he take a woman and without the aid of a man make another man? Okay? And that's what he did in Jesus. Now... Jesus was connected to David through his mother Mary. We have two genealogies. Matthew records the genealogy of Joseph. Now remember the two boys, Nathan and what? Solomon. They were David's sons by Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite and the Hittites were black. I'm going to tell you, I, I could take you in the scripture back. That's what the genealogies are doing. I used to, I used to get bored with it because I, I was ignorant myself. Years ago, I'd be asking, what in the world has God got all? Who cares? So and so begot. So, I mean, page after page after page of so, so and so begot, so and so. Oh, but it is so important yes, it is. because we can trace our roots through it. That's why God put it in there. God does not do superfluous things. God does not include non-essential items in his word. If you're smart enough and alert enough to ferret it out, it can make all the difference in the world. And the church hasn't done that. See, the church in America, and that's the only place I can really speak definitively about in America, and primarily the white church in America, because they're the majority. They're in leadership, they control everything. And so they have, they were the ones that sponsored slavery, supported it, condoned it. And that's why I was able to exist. And they were the ones that came up with a lie that the fact that black man, the black man was inferior to justify enslaving a race of people. These are just facts. But now we gotta, we've got to turn all that over. We've got to 
dig the ground and get rid of those roots, plant a new plant, new crop. Okay? And so it, it, it takes work. Now watch it. Remember now, remember now, Nathan and Solomon. Okay? Now, let's go, we, we well, let's start at uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Okay? So if this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, this means we're going to trace his posterity. His heritage, I should say, right? We're going to trace back his heritage. So that when we take a stand of faith on his word or we believe anything, we'll be able to connect it up so that it all makes a beautiful mosaic, a beautiful puzzle with no missing pieces. Most worst thing in the world, I love jigsaw puzzles. Genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, verse 2 starts the genealogy. And this is the genealogy of Joseph, who was the legal, say legal, legal father of Jesus. Not the natural father, but the legal father. Okay, now watch this, verse 2. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadad, and Aminadad begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon of her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah, begot, Abijah begot Asa, Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, Joram begot Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, Ahaz begot Hezekiah, Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, Ammon begot Josiah, Josiah begot Jeconiah, and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shelithiel, and Shelithiel begot Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel begot Abiud, Abiud begot Eliakim, Eliakim begot begot Azar, Azar begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud, Eliud, Eliud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathen, and Mathen, get this now, Mathen begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, underline the word Joseph, where it says Joseph, the husband of Mary, just put a line under Joseph and then go back two paces and it says Jacob. Jacob begot Joseph. That means then that whoever Jacob was, this Jacob was Joseph's father, right? Now, this is the genealogy on Matthew's side of Joseph who was the legal father of Jesus. Now, go to Luke chapter 3. And you're going to see something interesting. I didn't point this out last time, but this is extremely interesting. Now, it's interesting that Matthew records the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham forward. Luke starts with Jesus and goes all the way back to Adam. Matthew starts the genealogy from Abraham. Abraham forward to Jesus. 
Luke starts with Jesus and goes back all the way to Adam. Now, who was Joseph? Who was Joseph? Legal father of and therefore the husband of Mary. And who was Joseph's father? Jacob. Now, watch this. Verse 23 of the third chapter of Luke. It says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, and then in parenthesis, as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. So here it would appear to say that Heli was Joseph's father. But we just read in Matthew where Jacob was Joseph's father. Now how do you reconcile it? Simply, I told you, Joseph was the what? Legal father of Jesus. Now, throughout 99% of Hebrew genealogies, they are always done in the male or the man. The only time women or females are mentioned when it has a direct bearing ultimately upon Christ in the future. And you have to search that out. Ordinarily, it's always males. It's always in the male line. This was the Hebrew way of doing genealogies. Now, notice what it says here in verse 23. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. Actually, when it says, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, that's really Mary. But since they do genealogies in the male line, then they left Mary's name out. But it's obvious that this is not the same line because it's got a different father. This was Mary's genealogy. Heli was Mary's father. Not Joseph's father. But they put Joseph's name in there because Joseph was the legal father of Jesus and the record had to show the legal father. All right, now watch this though. Now remember... When we read from Abraham, we got to Jesse, and then we got to David, and remember David had, well, he had a number of sons by other wives, but he had four sons by Bathsheba or Bathsheba, but when we get in Matthew's line, descending from Abraham down to Jesus, it only mentions one of his sons, and that was who? Solomon. Didn't mention anything about Nathan. Didn't mention anything about Hobat. Didn't mention anything about the other sons. Just Solomon. Now, follow this, beginning with verse 23. Now, Jesus himself being, began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matthi, the son of Levi, the son of Malchi, the son of Jana, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elsli, Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Matathia, the son of Simei, 
Simei, the son of Joseph, the son of Judah, the son of Joannes, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelathiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Ada, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadan, the son of Ur, the son of Joseph, or Joseph, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Matthat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonan, the son of Eliakim, Eliakim rather, the son of Melia, the son of Menan, the son of Metatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse. Now, this one doesn't mention Solomon, but it mentions the other son, Nathan. Both boys, Nathan and Solomon, were the sons of Bathsheba, Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. I submit to you that Jesus had black blood in him because he inherited his blood through the line all the way back to David and Bathsheba. Now, now, I said it before, Jesus was the natural son of Mary, the legal son of Joseph, and both of them had Bathsheba in their veins. So she must have been in Jesus too. Someone might object at this point with the challenge that there is no need for any recognition of a black presence in Christ, especially since most people agree that he transcends all cultural debate. That may be argued, but since our culture has in varying degrees viewed blacks as a curse, to show that Jesus had black in his blood is to destroy the perception and its psychological legacy once and for all. Because in Christ we find sinless man and sinless Savior. This knowledge, as I said earlier, can free blacks from an inferiority complex while at the same time freeing whites from the superiority myth. So now you have a dilemma. The white church has a dilemma. You're going to have to do something with this. And it's right there in the genealogy. Now let me show you. Because see me saying that Bathsheba probably was black. And of course she definitely was married to, to Uriah the Hittite. He keep, always tells us that. Uriah. And then lets us know where he came from. Not just Uriah. But Uriah the Hittite. That's in there because God wants you to check it out. Now, <clears throat> I told you that Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and the Hittites were descendants of Heth, H-E-T-H, <laughs> who was the son of Canaan. Now, turn to Genesis 10. This is how you trace it out. Might, 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 might seem complicated. Might seem like it takes a long time. But how, how, long, have we, how long have we been in psychological slavery? Uh, we were 202, approximately 246 years in, in chain slavery. And then from 1865 up until now, we've been in psychological slavery. So this little bit of time we're taking to check this out to find out who you really are is certainly infinitesimal compared to. Are you following me? And the white church is a part of the body of Christ needs to be aware of this because they got to change it. See, they're the ones that broke it and they got to fix it. Ooh, why did I say that? 
You black folk relax. The worst they can do to you is kill you. And you're going to die anyway. And you'll be with Jesus, so don't sweat it. Don't get scared. Pitiful. It's pitiful. I mean, every time I say something like I can feel it coming back at me like a flood. And y'all try to be cool and don't look either way. Just <laughs> wish I wouldn't say it. Have we got to stir this thing up? Now, Genesis chapter 10. Now remember, we've heard this thing for years and years and years about the curse of Ham. Remember that? And, and the curse is black. Who started that? Wasn't black folk. Excuse me. I said, excuse me. I said it wasn't black people that started the idea and the lie that Ham was cursed black. He couldn't have been cursed white. He had to be cursed black. Because black is a curse. White is right. Black get back. Well, you will remember that Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives were in the ark. Flood was over. God opened the ark. They came out. And Noah blessed his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. No, God well, then Noah was a husbandman, got tilted on the juice, was found naked in his tent by his son, Ham. Ham went out and told his other brothers. The brothers got a sheet and went back in there backwards so they didn't see the nakedness of their father. When Noah rose from his wine, supposedly he cursed Ham. Well, he actually didn't because he can't curse what God has blessed. Amen. So what he really did is he cursed Ham's son, Canaan. So if, as the white clergy has told us from day one, that the curse of Canaan was blackness, then that would mean one of two things. That Cain himself was cursed black, and that was the end of that. And none of his children came out black. Or all of his posterity would retain the same curse that he was cursed with into perpetuity. You know what that means? The beat goes on? All right, now. Pick up on this. Genesis chapter 10. Verse, verse uh, 15. This is Ham's son, Canaan, that's cursed black. So the theologians tell us. Lies. Now watch this now. Verse 15. Oh. Canaan begot Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. Well, if Canaan was cursed black, Heth couldn't have come out white. I mean, you know, not European white. I would think it's reasonable to assume, and I think genetically we could support this, that he would have had to have inherited whatever his father was. Is that reasonable, doctors? So if, if Heth was black, and out of Heth came the Hittites, then the Hittites were black. And if Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite, it's plausible 
that Bathsheba was black, and that's what got the attention of that Hebrew king up on top of the house watching that woman naked bathing when he should have had his behind out on the battlefield fighting with his men. Back there lusting after that black beauty. Now, look at 2 Samuel, chapter 12. Yeah, we're tired of hearing about this racism, race and religion business, Fred Price is teaching. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, you don't want this to come out, do you? Now, I pointed this out last time, but I, I, in order to go a little bit, oh, goodness, to go a little bit further with it so I can tack on some other things, we have to look at it again. Now, now, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 20, chapter 12, rather, chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. See, there, there it is, Bathsheba. Okay? Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba. Now, you did have it. Traditional King James Bible that told me that her in that other place in Chronicles said Bathsheba. What's this thing? Excuse me. Talk to me. This what? Huh? Oh, Bathsheba. Oh, oh, Bathsheba. Okay. So Bathsheba and Bathsheba, they be the same. Okay, watch this now. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. Jimmy, Craig, I don't, I don't remember ever. Now I'm not perfect, so I could be wrong on this, but you guys are experts, and Pastor Milton, Gary, Pastor Gilbert. I don't ever remember seeing a statement in reference to where it talked about a genealogy in the sense of like so-and-so begot so-and-so and God loved him. I don't ever remember seeing that. You guys can think of offhand. Maybe it's in there, but it's interesting. It's very rare if it is in there. I've never seen it. I read the Bible I don't know how many times. I've never seen it. I wonder why did God put that in. That was totally irrelevant to the issue at hand. It now, saints, I got to interject here because I don't know if Fred Price missed it. Now, based on my studies, the reason God probably put that in there is because you need to remember how David and Bathsheba or Bathsheba got together. Bathsheba was married to Uriah the Hittite and David had asked. He was told that was Uriah's wife, but he was lusting after her so much that he had Uriah killed, not per se by one of his men, Uriah was a part of his army, David's army. He put him in a position where on the battlefield, Uriah got killed by the enemy. He did that on purpose. So when he and Bathsheba slept together, they created a baby. And God did not allow that baby to live. No, God allowed that infant to die. The baby lived maybe a few days, a few weeks uh, maybe a month or so, but the baby was real sick. 
David prayed that God would allow the baby to live and God did not. The baby died. So when they slept together again, they created another baby. His name was Solomon. And so when the Bible says, and God loved him, that's probably why it's written in there because he allowed the first infant to die because of how that baby was created. So I thought I would shed some light on that. Now look, Fred Price is an awesome teacher, but he may miss the mark on some stuff. His son taught a series about tithing, which was contrary to what his father taught. His son was a little bit more detailed in terms of research. And like I am, I will research something all the way to the end than his father was. Fred Price, like his son said, his daddy didn't know everything. And he went to his father before he started that series. This was after his son took over the ministry. And first, his father didn't get it. He showed his mother, Dr. Betty Price. He showed his sister, who was the president of um, Crenshaw Christian Center. And he showed them in scripture where he's getting his information from. His mother accepted it. His sister accepted it. His daddy, Fred Price, had to be convinced a little bit more because he know he taught contrary to those scriptures. So all I'm saying is that's probably what happened here. Fred Price may have missed it. He's so dead set on, you know, proving that, you know, God loved him because he was a black. But no, that was not it. It had to do with that first infant. So with that said, let's conclude this episode. <laughs> well, well, there it is, there it is. All right, watch this now. Why, watch this now. Listen, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. It's kind of like, I said it last time, but I want to reemphasize this. It's almost like saying, well, maybe God didn't love anybody else. You know, all of a sudden he loved this boy. And this boy was black. So if God loved black, you white folks better love black. Okay. Unless you're uh, more spiritual than God. Perhaps you're smarter than God, maybe. Oh, that's right. You did create the universe, didn't you? Oh, yes. No, I don't think so. Now, watch this. It's very important. Now remember, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. I told you that the Hittites were black, came from Canaan. We just looked at that in the Bible, Genesis 10 and 15. Now, let's go to Song of Solomon again. Chapter 1. Golly, I hope I can get to this, get further than what we got last time. Song of Solomon is right before Isaiah. But this, this is important, you, and you have to take it step by step, and that's what a lot of people don't want to do, and that's what the religious leaders were banking on in the beginning, that we would be so people. Of course, in the beginning of slavery, we couldn't read anyway. But all the way through history, not only just for us, but even for the white folks, the white people. See, the white leaders, they tricked their own people too. 
so they could ma- maintain leadership. So they were hoping that it would, this would be too rigorous for you to take the time to check all this out. Then they could play the game on it because you couldn't deny it. How are you going to deny it? You don't have any proof to, to refute it. But it was there all the time. It just takes time to dig it out. Now, watch this. Watch this. Song of Solomon. Uh, I want to begin with verse 1 again. Uh, boy, I'm not going to have enough time. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1. The song, of, the song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with kisses of his mouth, for you love, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointment, your name is, anoint, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Draw me away. We will run after you. The king has brought me into his chamber. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Verse 5. I am dark. Now the new King James says dark. I am dark but lovely. The traditional King James says black and calmly. All right. I am dark but lovely. Now I want to show you something from this, from this Bible. I want to show you how shot through this society is and even the church is in such ways that they will do everything they can to skew the deck in their favor. If I, can, if I can get to this, I want to show you this. I am, see, the New King James says, I am dark but lovely. Traditional King James says, I'm black and comely. Right, just now. I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Verse 6, do not look upon me because I am dark. Traditional King James says black. Do not look upon me because I am dark. Because the sun has tanned me. My mother's son were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Now they try to make it look when it says tan like it's just temporary dark, you know, from the sun. See, anything to get away with. Now, I didn't show you this last time. Oh, I don't have enough time. Turn to the fifth chapter. I'm going to show you something. Fifth chapter. Show you how crafty these people are. That's right. You've got to watch everything. Watch this now. Song, same song of Solomon. Chapter 5, verse 11. His head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. What do you have in the King James? Bushy. All right. Bushy and black. Okay. Watch this now. It says his locks are wavy and black as a raven. You have never heard anybody ever say dark as a raven. That phraseology is always black like a raven because a raven is black and shiny. Now, the same Hebrew word that's translated black in that fifth chapter is translated dark in the first chapter. I wonder why. Well, saints, uh, you have to watch your translations. Yes, you have to remember the majority of the, the early scholars were white and they changed around some words. And if you don't know the original Hebrew writings or the original Greek writings or Latin or Arabic, you will be fooled. That's why I choose my translations very carefully. And see, you have to be detail oriented and you have to be very patient to do this. Or you will grab a translation and roll with it and, and, and you can be misled by, by just a few words. We all know ravens are black, not dark. They're black. So with that said, saints, look, I'm going to pick up where we left off because that's the end of this CD. I will pick up where we left off. Next weekend, I look, I'm sharing this with you for informational purposes only, not for uh, any other reason, because I want to make sure my heart is in the right place. 
And that's, that's why I share certain stuff because I want you informed. Okay. I was deceived back in the day, but I knew something wasn't right. But when I was called to the ministry, I said, you know what? I'm going to do, uh, some, some studying, uh, some research because I want to know the truth. I don't want to be deceived by man. Man will deceive you, but God will not. And remember scriptures were written for correction, for reproach. So what you have, what you have learned back in the day and you have been corrected today, receive the correction because it's coming from God. So with that said, saints, look, walk in love. And I hope all of you continue to have a wonderful day, you and your family. So I'll see you next time. Peace out. hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.